Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And let me tell you, there is a merry-go-round happening right now. It seems like all the panel shows are replacing people. Um, You already know I have the exclusive that Megan McCain is out at The View. Um, that's probably going to happen towards the end of their season. Um, they go on a hiatus and they come back for a few episodes. Um, or it could happen just like it did with Jed where, um, she, she stays for a little while and then, um, is quietly replaced. Um, but we already talked about that and as soon as I know more, I'll update that story. Uh, but the talk is very much becoming uh, um, musical panelist as well. Now, I will say this: they've held the their panel together a lot longer than most. Um, but before the season premiered, Julie Chen was out. Um, even though it was announced after the season started, because her husband, Les Moonves, also exited CBS. And she was being very defiant and um, standing by her man. And, you know, it. And what, one of the reasons, one of the other reasons she left is how can you talk about sexual harassment and not talk about Les? Moonves, especially when he's the big boss over at CBS. And it was a growing scandal. It was very much in the pop culture. And, you know, there was just really nothing that they could do. So she exited. And, you know, that was one of those things where it wasn't too big of a loss. And they replaced her with Carrie Ann and Nava. Well, fast forward a few months. And Sarah Gilbert announced that she's leaving. Because she wants to focus on acting and have more time with her wife and kids. Although, I will, I do want to point out. Um, and I think I pointed this out when we did the story about her exit. When she did her, um, her statement, she, mentioned, she did not mention Linda Perry, her wife, at all. I don't know if we were supposed to assume or if there's going to be a breakup announcement soon. Um, But I found that very interesting. And now we know who's going to be replacing Sarah Gilbert. And that's going to be singer, doll maker, Kathy Griffin punchline, Maria Osmond. Um, TMZ has the story, and they say, um, that the, the bosses really like her, and the ratings go up when Maria Osmond hosts, which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, Maria Osmond is a legend. Um, her and Donnie are very, very popular. They had a Las Vegas residency for a long time. Um... 
But some of the women on the panel are not pleased with the hire. Why is that? Well, uh, the, the official reasoning being given is they thought that Sarah should be replaced with someone younger and edgier. I'm not thinking that they meant like Cardi B, but, you know, maybe. Um, but, you know, in, in all honesty, I could almost see like a Miley Cyrus type or um, a Demi Lovato type taking over for Sarah Gilbert. Um, but our friends over at Blind Gossip have an item up called Lying About the Underlying Issue. Here's what their source said. They are saying that the panel is mad because they wanted someone younger. Ha! That's not it. Do you think if Oprah came along and joined the show that they would complain that she was too old? No. The real issue they are... The real issue they are pissed off is that they wanted someone super liberal. Marie Osmond is super traditional and conservative. That is the real reason they don't want her. And... It seems like the the CBS brass were like, this is it, this is our choice, this is what's happening. You don't get a say. Which makes me wonder um, if Sarah Gilbert even had a say, or if she's going to continue executive, being the executive producer of the show. She created it, so she'll always get that credit, and she'll probably always get some sort of mon- uh, money from it. But I wonder if... Um, she's going to continue producing. And I wonder how the panel is going to get along with Marie. The big announcement is supposed to come live on, on May 7th. So we're going to have to keep an eye out for that. Alright, I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. So, oftentimes, we talk about... Uh, options that a woman has as being abortion or keeping the baby. And we... And when I say we, I mean generally as a society, we don't really talk about adoption for some reason. I mean, sure, it's out there, and, you know, there are plenty of stories that have... um, come out about being adopted and whatnot... And it's it's not really all that uncommon, but it 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 really does seem like America's shameful secret. Like we don't talk about um, putting babies up for adoption as as much as we talk about abortion and whatnot. And I don't know why. Um, so I really want to applaud Jay Demarcus of Rascal Flats for opening up and talking about the baby that he and his ex-girlfriend Maggie gave up for adoption. And I I really... I don't say this often about country stars, um, but he actually, I think, comes across as very classy. Um, he doesn't... <clears throat> at least in my view, he doesn't like um, demean his ex-girlfriend by any means. Um, he may not uh, he may not like her decision, um, but he certainly respected it enough not to to stand in her way. In his memoir, 
Shotgun Angels, My Story of Broken Roads and Unshakable Hope. He wrote that after just a month of dating, um, he was in his 20s, he was dating Maggie, and they were only together for about a month, and she got pregnant. And he said abortion was never an option. And then he continued to say, Maggie and I discussed many options, including getting married and raising the child ourselves. But we quickly determined we'd be making that decision for the wrong reason. It became evident that Maggie wanted nothing to do with me. There was no interest in the two of us somehow working things out so we might raise our child together. And he said, um, they decided on adoption and... His mom was going to take the baby and raise the baby. But Maggie decided to do the adoption outside of the family. And she didn't want either one of us, according to him, she didn't want either one of us in um, the daughter's life. And he continued to write... That, that was a hard pill to swallow. I understand that sometimes life send us, sends us reeling because of unexpected situations, but my heart in that moment, though scared, still desired to be in this beautiful child's life. And then he asked the adopted family to um, give his daughter a letter at 14, um, just saying... That he loved her and he did not abandon her. And he tried to, several ways to make it possible to be in her life. Um, he doesn't know if she gave it to her or if they gave it to her or not. And, you know, that could be something that maybe they, if they moved or something, they could have lost it along the way. Um, but he does in that section by saying... <clears throat> That he he finds great satisfaction in knowing that she ended up with a wonderful family. And you know what? Again, I don't... I don't believe for one second that you have to agree with a decision 100%. I, I know I certainly don't agree with all of my friends' decisions. Um... I definitely don't agree with all of my ex's decisions. Um, But at the end of the day, you have to respect them. And it seems like that's what he really did. Um, Because he could have fought for custody. He could have, you know, his mom could have fought to keep the baby in their lives. But they didn't. And, you know, there could be a very good reason why Maggie didn't want... Um, either one of them in the baby's life. Um, I don't know what that reasoning is, of course, but there could be a good reason. And there's a good reason for me to say this. I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. So one of the stories that broke while I was in Disney is Alex Trebek having stage four pancreatic cancer. And, um, when he, when he announced he had it, he said he intended to fight and that he was going to, you know, do everything in his power to win and beat this. 
And we all rooted for him. We're all still rooting for him. But there's a touch of sadness that comes along with this. Um, I mean, first of all, it seems like everyone really, truly loves Alex Trebek. And I was kind of searching, and I don't see where he's had any kind of scandal or anything. I mean, the biggest controversy I found is when he shaved his mustache. And he's... um, He's been a celebrity for about 35 years. I'm sure it's actually longer than that, but we're going to go with 35 years. And that's just amazing that he's gone that long without any kind of scandal or controversy. I mean, some celebrities, we're not mentioning any names, Donald Trump, can't go five minutes without stepping in poo. So to go 35 years is just like... Bronze level. Um, um, not bronze level. Gold level. Just a gold level. I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't know where I was going with that. So we're going to ditch that metaphor real fast. Um, uh Alex Trebek was on Good Morning America. Um, talking to Robin Roberts, who, by the way, Robin Roberts seems to be giving all the good interviews lately. Um, at least the ones that on ABC. She must be up for a promotion or something. <laughs> um, anyways, Alex said, My oncologist tells me I'm doing well, even though I don't always feel it. I've had kidney stones, I've had ruptured discs, so I'm used to dealing with pain. But what I'm not used to dealing with are the surges that come on suddenly of deep, deep sadness, and it brings tears to my eye. You know, I don't talk about this often, but I had a had a very dear friend, Taisha, who um, had... It wasn't pancreatic cancer, it was a, a different type, type of cancer. Um, but she actually told me um, during one of our final conversations that she felt really sad. She felt very alone. Um, Because, not because her family and friends weren't there with her, but because she was trying to make everyone else feel better. And she she didn't feel like she had anyone to try to make her feel better. And, excuse me, um, sorry, I, recently, um, during my last hiatus, we lost Taisha. So, um, it's still a little bit fresh. Um, but so I wonder if that's what Alex is going through. Um, you know, because that would make perfect sense, actually. That, you know, just like with Ty, um, you know, he's trying to make everyone else feel better and make sure everyone else knows, like, he's fighting and he's, he's trying to get through this. But who's, the, who's sitting there holding his hand, you know, helping him? 
Um, he continued to say, I've discovered in this whole episode, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm a bit of a wuss, but I'm fighting through it. My palates are, uh, my palates, my blood counts are steady. My weight is steady. The cancer indicators, those are coming down. So I've got another chemo next week, and then we'll do a review to find out where things stand. And he concluded by saying, now I have the summer months to recuperate and get strong again. I just have to get strong because, as you know, the chemo takes it out of you. I mean, I feel so weak all the time, and that's not a good way to be. It's no big deal. I go in for chemo and I sit down. I joke with the nurses, and I'm there for an hour and a half while they inject all this stuff into me. And then I go home and I have a good day, and then the next day, for no reason that I can phantom, it turns south on me. But that's okay. You have to deal with it. What am I going to do? It is something that I'm afflicted with. We are dealing with it chemically and spiritually, and those are positives. And hopefully everything is going to turn out well. And I'll be back on air with original programming come this September. And I I love how he is being so open about his battle. Um, You know, there's not a lot of people who are so open about the, the fight with sadness and the fight with all this. Um, most people are trying to be um, in, inspirational and, you know, oh, I'm a fighter. And I like that he's he's being a fighter, but he's also being honest about it's not always easy to do that. Rest in peace, Ty, Alex, I really hope that you get better and you fight this and you are the survivor we all need. And I'm going to go compose myself and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, okay. I need you guys to know that I started working on the Wendy Williams divorce book. It's called How You Doing Inside Wendy Williams Divorce. Um, The title may change. I have to talk it over with Will and see what he thinks and make sure he's going to edit this for me. But, um, and and I don't know how I keep doing all these drunk writing segments. Um, I think it's mostly because I really don't plan and I'm going to get so yelled at for that. But, um, so as I was writing this, um, I'm part of a group now for media tie-in writers. Now, I haven't actually written a media tie-in book or short story yet. Although I really want to. And I'm definitely looking. um, Because this is a big market. And it comes with a certain level of um, audience already built in. And I think that's... um, that's really important when you're trying to launch a writing career. Now, I know some people are going to be like, oh, you've already launched yours, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And um, that's true, I have. But I've not launched in a big way. Um, you know, I I have you guys who listen to me all the time, and I have 
Um, I have regular readers of my true crime articles, regular readers of my sex articles, um, readers who discovered me through Shape of Love, um, those of you who, there are some who discovered me through Generation Gossip, or through um, uh, my writing.com profile. All of that is to say, yes, I have a following. It's not a huge following, and I'm okay with that. I like my fans the way they are. I like that we can interact um, person to person, one on one. One of my biggest fans is on my Facebook. We interact all the time, and I love that. I really, really do truly love that. But there's also a part of me that wants to launch my career in a bigger way. And I think media tie-in writing is one of the ways that I, I can do that. It's not easy to break into. Um, you have to be a professional writer. You have to have some credits. Or you have to be damn good and know your stuff. Um, my friend Lee Goldberg, I call him my friend. We're friends on Facebook and we've interacted a few times, um, he, and he, he's written with Janet Evanovich, um, I think last night I mentioned that she has the Foxo, Fox and O'Hara series, he was, um, the co-author on that series, uh, at least through the first four or five books, I'm not sure if he continued to work on this series, because I know he was working on his own book for a little while, um, but he's written, um, he's written Diagnosis Murder books, Monk, and I mean, if you look at his resume, if you look at his IMDb, the man is a freaking brilliant, and he's worked on all these legendary TV shows, and it sickens me how successful he's been, and Lee, if you're listening... Take me under your wing and teach me your ways. I would love to write for TV shows. I would love to write um, episodic TV like what he did. Um, and he was... I'm trying to... I, I read a quote he did today for the International um, Media Tie-In Association. Where he said, you know, he was head writer or um, executive producer... Um, was another person whose name I can't remember right now. Um, but he, you know, one of the things that he's learned about media tie-in books is you say true to the characters, you say stay true to the world, but you kind of um, expand it a little bit. So I have an idea for, um, I don't know if it would be considered a media tie-in, I think it would, um, It would, it would it would definitely expand the universe a little bit um, and it it would kind of play to my strengths with comedy and and mystery and whatnot and I think it would put a fresh coat of paint on a beloved old series and kind of bring it bring it all the way forward for a whole new generation. Who grew up probably in the reruns, which are still airing today. Um, 
And no, this is not about the Golden Girls, although I have an idea for that one, too. Um, I wouldn't really be expanding that universe, but... It would in a way, but... um, The one I'm thinking of is more... uh, Is much older than that. And... um, It it was historic in many, many, many ways. I'm not going to give away too much... You know, I probably already have. Um, anyway, so media tie-in writing. Um, I think that's... Hopefully that's going to be my next phase. I certainly want it to be. I think there's a... I don't want to... I keep wanting to say a lot of money. I, I think you can make a decent living. And I think it can be a springboard to other um, writing ventures. Which is what I really want. And also what I really want is to take a break. So I'm going to go and come right back. And I'm back. So this story is a little crazy. Even for me. (laughs) And y'all know. I've dealt with some crazy ass stories in my time. So uh, Hunter Biden... Divorced his wife Kathleen to date his brother's widow Haley. And if that isn't all sorts of messed up, I don't know what is. Um, Bo had died, and I and I remember the story very vaguely. Um, Bo died, and then they started um, dating. I don't know if they were dating beforehand or if this was if this was one of those things where it was kind of like, oh, you know, we're bonding over the death of someone. Um, you know, Elizabeth Taylor and Eddie Fisher were said um, to be to have bonded over the death of Elizabeth's husband. Um, Mike, I cannot remember his last name right now, but, um, and then that whole situation kind of blew up, and obviously, um, Debbie Reynolds and Elizabeth Taylor ended up in a decades-long feud. Anyways, um, that being, all that being said, Hunter and Haley split up after two years of dating, Um, Haley would not give a comment on the matter, uh, and sources are only saying that the breakup is amicable. Um, Hunter actually said recently, my father has always been proud of me, whether when I was volunteering for the Jesuits or working as a lawyer, and he remains proud of me today. He loves me. And he loves the American people far too much to let any form of adversity stand in the way of service. And, okay, so, I didn't realize that Hunter had a bunch of controversies behind him. And dating his brother's widow is, was just the latest in a long string of... Um, (laughs) 
a long string of bad decisions, we're going to say, because I don't have a better word for it. And, you know, I know some people are going to say, well, how dare you say, you know, that it was a, a bad decision or whatever. But here, you know, I get it. Grief affects people in different ways. Um, my mother, after my stepfather died, started dating a new man three weeks or. We, I don't know how soon after my stepdad died that she started dating this dude. But three weeks after he died, the dude was moving in with us. Um, so I, I realize and I, I understand that people grieve differently. Where my confusion comes into play is why in the world someone thought that this was okay? Why in the world, you know, Haley and Hunter thought, oh, Bo died, let's start shagging. I, you know, and that sounds really facetious, but I really don't know where the logic is, how that came about, or why that came about. It, it seems very odd to me. But then, Blind Gossip ran an item which didn't really clear things up, but it kind of put the breakup into perspective a little bit. It's called The Creepy Moral Breakup. Their source says, um, basically, that this is not a real breakup. They're just temporarily distancing themselves. And here's why, according to their source. He is running on a morality platform, but his son has so many strikes against him that he can't do anything about drugs, alcohol, dishonorable discharge, prostitutes, infidelity, shady business deals that it makes his message look hypocritical. The only thing they could change is that weird relationship he has with Haley Biden. By the way, you may not know this, but his affair with Haley is what broke up his marriage in the first place. Anyway, the family said that they supported the new relationship, but they knew it was creepy. They needed to decrease the creep factor and up the morality factor, so the couple will pretend to break up and will just keep everything on the DL until after the election. This will allow Joe Biden to continue to preach the morality message. Now, first of all, Blind Gossip does have a conservative bent here. Um, for some reason, they go after um, Democrat politicians a lot more than they do the conservative counterparts, even though there are a ton of um, conservatives acting and behaving badly. But I also can say, obviously, this was um, this was one of those items that was in the news. And part of writing a blog is getting the SEO um, hits and and making sure your article hits just as um, something is trending really hardcore. As for 
um, Haley and Hunter not really breaking up, that doesn't really surprise me. I would expect that um, they'll be apart until after either Joe wins the election or until he drops out of the primaries. Uh, right now, he's he's thought to be the forerunner, but he has um, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Pete uh, Buttigieg right on his heels. So, there's there's a very good chance that uh, he won't clinch the nomination like he thinks, or like most people are expecting. And after he drops out of the primary. Uh, if he drops out of the primary, I can't imagine him coming back in four or eight years saying, hmm, I'm going to run again. Um, I just don't think that that's something that's going to happen. But you know what is going to happen? I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.